Father's heart displayed for us. Oh God, we thank you for the cross. Lifted up on Calvary's hill, we cursed your name, and even still, you bore our shame. And paid the cost. Oh God, we thank you for the cross. Behold the Lamb, the story of redemption written on his hands. Jesus, you will reign forevermore. The victory is yours. We sing your praise. Endless hallelujahs to your holy name. Jesus, you will reign forevermore. The victory is yours. All for sacrifice for every sin our Savior died the Lord of life can't be contained our God has risen from the grave oh our God has risen from the grave behold story of redemption written on his hands. Jesus, you will reign forevermore. The victory is yours. We sing your praise. Endless hallelujahs to your holy name. Jesus, you will reign is done we'll see your face bright as the sun we'll bow before the king of kings oh God forever we will sing our Savior behold the Lamb the story of redemption written on his hands. Jesus, you will reign forevermore. The victory is yours. Behold the Lamb, the story of redemption written on his hands. Jesus, you will reign forevermore. The victory is yours. 
so thankful today for the cross what Christ did for us there on that cross paying our sin debt if it wasn't for what he did there on Calvary's cross there would be no hope for us I'm thankful also for the day that he rose from the dead we celebrate that today today is the Lord's day today is the day we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and because he lives we now can live as well I praise the Lord for that I'm glad that we're here today, and I'm glad that we're able to lift up his name. I hope that through this week you've been praising the Lord with your life, worshiping him with your life. The songs that we sang today weren't just void words, words that have no meaning, but really came from a heart, a heart of adoring of our Father because of how we know him, and you'll get to know him through the week in your life, knowing who he is and how he's blessed you and how he answers prayer. I praise the Lord for who he is. I want you to take your Bible, if you would, turn to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12 this morning. <clears throat> moment we'll be reading verses 1 through 16. Acts chapter 12. You ever been traveling somewhere and got messed up because a time zone changed and you didn't realize it? It's happened to me before. Several years ago, we was traveling in Crimson, and I remember going to a little spot in Indiana, and that was one spot in Indiana. They were in a different time zone than the rest of Indiana. Fortunately, we always planned on being there early. Amen. Because we got there and realized we'd lost an hour. We had to hurry up, but at least we didn't miss the time of the service. Praise the Lord for that. One of our missionaries that came this year, he called and said the same thing. I just realized you guys are on Eastern time. I'm running a little bit late. He made it on time, praise the Lord for that. But you know, there's times in our life when we realize that we're on the t wrong time, we've missed the time. And do you realize that in our life that we're on a different time zone at times than the Lord, than God is in our life? God has a different time than we have. God sees time different than we see it. Things that happen in our life, sometimes we don't understand it. Sometimes we don't understand why God would allow it or why God hasn't stepped in yet. And that's when we're reminded that our ways are not God's ways. The way that we think is not the way God thinks. And by the way, I will say this, praise the Lord for that. Aren't you thankful that God has a better understanding of his creation than what we do? God knows what's best. God knows what's going to happen tomorrow. In our whole life, though, there's times when we, we wish for certain times to come. I remember growing up and in my time as a kid, I remember thinking to myself, and I've used this illustration before, but I think it's a good one. Many of you can understand it. Christmas is coming. 
I didn't want to wait till Christmas morning to open those gifts. I'd rather open them on Christmas Eve. How many of y'all open your gifts on Christmas Eve? Okay, there's several of you that do. We didn't as a kid. My mom and dad were mean. They made us wait till Christmas morning. I'll tell you. But I hated it. I couldn't wait for it. Another thing in my life, and time-wise, looking forward to the future, and I was in the school, I couldn't wait to graduate from school. I couldn't wait to get, you know, finally get done with school so I could move on to my real life. We look at things like that sometimes. And then you get in the real life and you can't wait to have kids. And then you, you can't wait till the kids get out of the, No, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm not saying that at all. Our kids are starting to move out a little one by one. And I will say this. I'm not looking forward to that at all. I'm so glad to the time that God has given us. And it's not something I wish to look forward to. But it is a different time of life. I will say I look forward to grandkids. I praise the Lord for four beautiful granddaughters. And it's wonderful to be able to have them and hold them. We look forward to things like that. We have these things that we look for in our life. We're looking for something different than what's happening now. We're looking for the future. Some of you, you counted the days down to the day of retirement. Some of you are like, I'll never retire. Well, I'm not talking about you then. I, I've worked with people, and I remember them. When I was growing up, worked different, different jobs. People were saying, man, I'm only so many days from retirement. It's not going to be long. I'm going to be retired. Looking forward to that so I can enjoy my old age. Yeah, you all went, oh, yeah, I was thinking the same thing, man. As you get old, you don't, don't wish away your youth. Let me just say that right now. Listen, we have different times of life, and times are sometimes we, we want to move on. We want to get to the better days. We want to get to the greener pasture. Our time and our thinking of time is so different. And then there is God and his time schedule. And I, to be honest with you, there is many times in my life when my time schedule is not in sync with God's time schedule. Times when I yearn for something or I, I agonize over something or I wonder why about something. Times in our life when we are not thinking the same way as God does about our time. And we want to ask him at times in our life, why do you have to wait to the last minute to do something in my life? There's times God will wait right to the last moment. God does that in the Word of God, too. We can go and see many examples of that, where God, it seems like all hope is lost, and He waits to the very last moment to step in. Why does God do that? Is there something God's trying to teach us, perhaps? I know there's times in my life when I'm going through a time such as that, and I'll ask God, God, is there something you're trying to teach me so we can get past this? Or God, is there something you're trying to teach me so I don't have to go through this again? Our time and our way of thinking is different than God's. And so today, I want for us to begin a study I'm calling, Our God is Right on Time. Our God is Right on Time. And in this study, we're going to be looking at some of the last-minute miracles performed by God and, and learn how God is right on time every time. We see many examples of this in the Word of God. But the first miracle I want for us to look at is here in Acts chapter 12. Look at verse number 1, if you would. Acts 12, verse 1, Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quarterings of soldiers to keep him intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. 
bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to, his, to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you and praise you for your word. I pray, Lord, that today that we would listen as you speak to our hearts, be encouraged because of who you are, how great you are. What I'm so thankful that you are a God that's right on time every time. What I'm so thankful today that you are a God that is greater than anything we'll ever face. You are all powerful, omniscient. Lord, I thank you and praise you. Lord, I pray that today that we would trust in you more. Help our faith to grow. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. First miracle I want to look at here today and lessons that we can learn from it is this, that we should never give up hope even if time is ticking and we're down to the last few minutes without any way or anything that, that will help us to be able to get out. We're in that place where we feel like we're underneath all the pressure. We must never give up hope because our God is unstoppable. Our God is unstoppable. Here in this passage of Scripture that we just read, it shows us four reasons why I need to hang on to hope when I'm going through something in my life that I see no way out of, and, and what makes it even worse, that time is running out. You ever been there? You ever been to a place in your life when it seems like that, that time is running out? It seems like that there's no way out? It seems like the weight is coming down on you? It seems like that there's not going to be any hope of perhaps even tomorrow? And you're, you're in that position. Well, that's exactly what we see here with Peter. And I don't say that figure, figuratively at all. We see with Peter here that he's been captured by Herod. He's thrown into prison. He's under heavy guard. And tomorrow morning, he's to be executed. I mean, can you imagine being in that position? When we look at the Word of God, I want to remind you as we read these, these words, these aren't just words, this is the Word of God, number one. Number two, these, this is a true occurrence, something that actually happened. Number three, these are real people just like you and I. Well, oftentimes we look at Peter being way up here. Well, Peter, yes, he was a position, a position of, of great authority and a great godly man and a man that really was the, a, a, a strong um, a, a preacher and apostle that Christ had given great responsibility to and authority to. But he was just a man just like you and I. 
He was just a person, ladies. He was, he was nothing as far as that goes. He was a fisherman. And yet here is a man, an ordinary man, that God had saved, that God had given a position of, of leadership and authority and, and a calling on his life. But he was a man that had feelings just like we have. He had fears just like we have. Imagine being in his position. Imagine being the time is running out. You're there in that prison. Imagine that time is coming and you're feeling like the next for you is going to be that your head's getting cut off. I can't even comprehend that, but I do know there's times in our life where we feel very heavy. Some of you might be going through that time right now. And I want to come with that thinking and that understanding and looking at how God is unstoppable. And I want to see these four different things that we see in this passage that prove that to us. And the first one is this, that our God cannot be stopped despite what evil is thrown against him. Our God cannot be stopped no matter what evil is thrown against him. Look back at verse number one once again. Notice what it says. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. Here we see Herod, he's king. Acts chapter 12. He is actually, if you look at his, his actual name, it's Agrippa the first. Herod, King Agrippa the first. He was the grandson of Herod the Great. If you remember Herod the Great, who he was, he goes down in history as being the one that tried to, to, to kill Jesus at his birth. He's the one that killed all those innocent babies there in Bethlehem. Talk about a legacy to pass on to your family. That's the type of family this guy's from. He's the grandson of this man that had all those lives taken. And this Herod in Acts chapter 12, he had already killed James. Now, who was James? James, the brother of John, he was in the inner circle of the disciples. If you remember, the closest inner circle was Peter, James, and John. That's the James we're talking about here. James had already lost his life. James had already been killed for his faith. And now he's looking at the Jews and what they were desiring, and he's wanting to please them. And so he now he takes Peter into custody. He wants to take his life. And the very next morning here, he's going to lose his life. He's being held captive by this horribly evil king. Herod was from an evil family, but not just evil, but a family of great power. You know, it's one thing to be evil. It's another thing to be evil and have a lot of power. Well, we see a lot of that in our day, don't we? A lot of people in high places that are evil, and yet they have a lot of power. Well, that was happening in this day. Here's an evil king. Here's an evil man that doesn't care anything about Jesus, doesn't care anything about taking a life, doesn't care anything about Peter. And all he wants to do is to gain some points with some of his constituents, you might say. He's an evil man. And th there was no uh, more powerful in Jerusalem than this king right now. You don't understand that. He was the king, King Agrippa. He could say today, I'm going to take your life and you're done. He didn't have to prove it. Now, the only ex exception to that would have been if you were a, a, a citizen of Rome. We see that later with Paul. I'm not going to go into that today. But if you'd have been a citizen of Rome... You could have had, you know, could appeal to go to, to, to Rome. That's what Paul did later. Otherwise, I believe that he would have taken his life perhaps as well. But we see here that here is Herod Agrippa. He chooses to exercise his muscle. Unfortunately for Agrippa, he, he became, uh, a, 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 in a, he got himself in a situation where he was not just coming up an ordinary person, coming up against something that he had the power over. He was coming up at something that was so much more powerful than him. He was coming up against God Almighty. 
And here he is. God is there with Peter, and God is not going to be stopped. No matter what evil comes against us today, we must remember that God is bigger than any evil that we'll face. God is greater than anything that we'll come against. All the forces of hell can be thrown, and all the evil can be mustered up against God, and that's not going to stop my God. God is bigger than anything like that. The Bible tells us that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. God is bigger. So the first thing that we see here, that our God cannot be stopped despite what evil is thrown against him. The second thing that we see here is that our God cannot be stopped despite how humanly impossible the situation may seem. Look at verse number four. Notice what it says. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four uh, quaternions of soldiers to keep him intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Now here he is, he puts them together, and it was no big deal to God that he had put all these men around him. No big deal for God to to be able to set them free, but it's amazing how he puts them in there. He obviously wanted to make sure that he was put into prison, that he would keep him, and that he would not be able to get set free. Herod used 16 guards. Now, I just want you to imagine with me uh, for a moment. There you are in prison. Who, I, need, I need a Peter today. Who would be Peter for me? Let's see here. Who's going to be Peter? I need young people. I want young people to get up here. Let's see here. Young person will be Peter. Come on, Owen. Get on up here, buddy. You look like a good Peter to me today. Get on up here, Peter. All right. Stand right here. All right. So Herod, he had a little guy like this, right, in prison. Now, you might say that because Herod has all that strength. And he wants 16 guards. What did you just do? You feel like your muscles? Yeah, there you go. Okay, all right, I saw that. He has four squads of four soldiers to guard him. All right, I need some soldiers. I'm not going to do all of them because it's 16 people, and I know I'm not going to get 16. Now, I need, you stay over here, Peter. You're in, you're in chains, man. You can't move. You can't even go like this anymore. You're chained down. There you go. All right, that's better. All right, let's get some, let's get some guards up here now. I need some young people. All the Bishop boys, come on up. I'm not going to ask them to raise their hand. Just all the Bishop boys, come on up here. These guys look like mean guards, don't they? Oh, yeah, sure. Let's see here. Who, what other ones do we have? I'm looking to see who's in here. Uh, uh, you know what? Just some young people. Josiah Blount, come on up here. You look really mean. So, Joe, Oh, wait. Hang on a minute. Jim Larabus, you got to come up here, too. we got to get the big guards right here next to Peter and really holding him down. All right. So we're going to just demonstrate just a little bit to have some fun with this. Jim, flex those muscles, man. Yeah. Oh, man, look at that. All right, so Josiah, you're going to be on one side. Jim, you'll be on the other. You guys, all right, so w- what we're seeing here, he put, he put four times four, 16 guards on this little old Peter right here. He's got him bound in chains. There he is. And so he's got two right here, he, two at the gate, two at the doors, two. I mean, there's, there's 16 total. Okay, spread out here. All right, you guys look mean and everything. Like, you're going to make sure he doesn't go anywhere. All right? You stand over there. Let's see. You need to, you need to watch the steps over here. Come on over here, Colin. Get over here. Make sure he doesn't get away that way. Now, you over there. Oh, and by the way, guys, if he gets free, your guys' head's coming off instead, okay? So uh, is that motivation for you to make sure he doesn't go anywhere? What do you think? Okay, you step over here. You make sure. Oh, yep, you, right there. All right. Now, just imagine 16 guards. King Herod put 16 guards to watch one man. Uh, you know, when I think about stuff like that, I think to myself, either he was really making sure to give this guy a hard time, or he was afraid that something might happen. Now, I don't know for sure. 
But I do believe that he had seen, he had been around to see what Jesus had already done. He had heard the rumors about Jesus. I say rumors because he would have called it that. About Jesus raising from the dead. About the people. There was an uprising that was rising up. He would have seen those things. And he was wanting to make sure that, hey, this one here that's causing these problems is going to get let loose. And so there he is. He's inside the prison. He's got 16 men keeping him there. Of course, we don't have 16 up here. But listen, these men... These 16 men, King Herod, prison walls, they had, you know, they had nothing on the power of God. And God cannot be stopped despite how humanly impossible the situation may seem. I want to tell you, listen, if I was Peter in this situation and had all these guards around me, I mean, if I had Big Jim like that, Jim, you'd have had all the armor on and stuff like that, a big sword and things like that. I would, I would be thinking to myself, I'm going to help the situation. There's no hope for me. There's no help for me. Where am I going to go? Listen, God was saying it doesn't take me that much effort to do my work in the most impossible situation, and we're going to see it. Now, I want you to picture that. Now, you stay there, Peter. The rest of you guys go down except for Jim and Josiah. You guys stay here for a minute. So what's going on? Peter, he's in jail. He's got these big guys watching him, 16 total. What's happening at that time? What's the church doing? They're praying. Which brings us to our third point. It's this. Our God cannot be stopped despite the faithless prayers that we offer up. Despite the faithless prayers that we offer up. Here he is. He's in jail. The natural thing for the church to do is to pray. You all said it. It's the right spiritual thing to do. It's what we should do when we have problems is pray. There they are. They gathered together in John Mark's mom's home. I think that's the way I read it. There they are. They're together there, and they're praying. They're going around the circle. They're praying. They're crying out to God. You can, you can just picture. Can you picture that prayer meeting? As they're praying and saying, God, please set him free. God, please set him free. God, deliver him from the hands of Herod. This wasn't just praying for a small miracle, by the way. Hey, what just happened in their life for them to really be praying? James had already been killed. Somebody they knew and loved. Now they're crying out to God, God, would you please set Peter free? Suddenly there's a knock at the door. You know the story, we just read it. Rhoda goes up to the door, she doesn't even open the door, all she does is hear the voice of Peter. She runs back and she tells the people that are praying that he's at the door. And what is the response? Oh, praise God and answer to prayer. Oh, we had faith. We knew God would deliver him. Is that what they did? No. What did they do? They got, I mean, literally, they, they disrespected Rhoda. They said, thou art mad. You're crazy. Get away. Don't you see what we're doing here? We're trying to pray. You're interrupting our prayer. Oh, my goodness. They're doing the right thing, and yet they have no faith. You think about that. They're praying. God has answered the prayer. He's at the door, and they don't have enough faith to believe that. Huh. Our God cannot be stopped despite the faithless prayers we offer up. There's a lot of times that we pray not expecting God to do anything. I prayed so many times for it. You just don't understand. I prayed again and again and again. God hasn't answered that prayer. God hasn't delivered. God hasn't come through. 
I guess I better pray, though. And so we pray again. But where is our faith? And I'm so thankful that we have a God that's so big that even in times when we don't have the faith we should, that God is still bigger. That God can still perform a miracle. Now, I do believe in the power of prayer, and I do believe in faith when we pray. That's not the point. The point is, there are times in our life when God answers the prayer even when we are faithless. When we don't trust the way that we should. God answers prayer. It's amazing when they did find out who it was, how they acted. First they thought it was an angel of Peter. And then when they realized who it was, what does the Bible say they did? They were what? Astonished. Astonished. Hey, listen, don't be astonished when God does the impossible. God is unstoppable. God is bigger than anything you'll ever face. God can deliver you from a situation you never thought possible. Fourthly, our God cannot be stopped by what we are doing about the situation or for that matter, what we are not doing about the situation. God will not be stopped by what we are doing or not doing about the situation. Now, let me say this. There are times when we need to do what God tells us to do and obey it. But there are times when, really, God can't be stopped just because we don't do something or because we do something. Here's a situation like that. I want you to look at verse number 6 again. And this is why I kept them up here. I want you to see this. Look at verse number 6. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between the two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Now think about it with me. Good job. He's got his eyes closed. Good. Just like in church. No, I'm just joking. Don't do that. He's got his eyes closed. There he is. He's sleeping. I don't know about you, but if I knew, all right, James, the brother of John, was already killed by the sword. I'm in prison now. i got these big old guys right here, big gorillas next to me. I mean, they're not letting me loose. They got me down. I'm inside this prison. There's 16 guards. I'm sitting there. I would not be sleeping if I thought tomorrow my head was coming off. Am I the only one that feels that way? Would you all be like, oh, let's go to sleep now? I wouldn't. You know what I'd be doing? Oh, Lord, please, if you let me out of here, I'll do anything for you, right? That's the kind of prayer we pray, wouldn't it? Lord, if you let me out of here, I'll do this. Lord, make it, or just crying out to God and pleading with God and say, God, you called me. God, I have a job you've given me to do. God, I know you're not through with me yet. Please let me loose. Be sleeping. Now, either that or I go to plan B. You know what plan B is, don't you? Jim, if you died today, do you know for sure that you'd go to heaven? Listen, Jim, you need to trust in Christ as your Savior. Listen, he died. For, I'd be witnessing to these guys right here. Man, because if you can get them to trust in Christ as their Savior, maybe they'll let you go free. If they get saved, they'll, they'll be, you know, if any man be in Christ is a new creature, old things are passed away, behold, all things have become new. That's what the Word of God says. These guys will stop being mean, ugly guards, and, and they'll be changed. They need salvation, by the way. No, I'm just kidding around. <laughs> but you'd be pray, I mean, praying or you'd be begging with them to trust in Christ as their Savior. Now, obviously, I'm thinking about humanly speaking, but what's Peter doing? He's, he's just sleeping. Now, there's one or two ways of looking at that. Either he was at such peace with God, and I believe that's the case. I do. Such peace with God that he had already trusted God. But by him jumping up and down, by him screaming, 
by him crying out, by him yelling, it wasn't going to change the situation. God was still in control. God was unstoppable, and by what Peter did or didn't do was not going to determine whether or not Peter was going to be set free or to continue in his place. Now, how do I know that? How many of y'all believe that James, the brother of John, probably was praying and asking God for deliverance? Y'all believe that? I do. I believe it with all my heart. How many of y'all believe that the people were praying for James, the brother of John, while he was captured? I believe they were, too. Did God deliver James, the brother of John? No. And I say it that way because knowing who his name is, and that's what the Word of God says right here, he was his brother. They were brothers. They were close. They were praying for him. God did not. You know, there's times that God is not going to deliver in this world. You know what that means? That means that James, the brother of John, got to go to heaven that much sooner is what that meant. And I say that because I have to. I, I want to be very careful that we're not preaching a prosperity gospel around here at Lighthouse Baptist Church. There's going to be times, yes, when God has a plan for your life. You know what? This is the truth. God has your days numbered, and God knows the day that you're going to die. God knows. God knows whether he's through with you here in this life right now. God knew that he needed to bring James home. I don't understand why he chose James. I don't understand that. That's why my understanding or my ways are not God's ways. My time is not God's time. I don't understand it. But God knew that he needed to bring him home. But God knew that no matter what's going to happen, he's going to fulfill his way and his purpose. He has a plan in place. It's going to happen. And that meant that this man right here, Peter, was going to be set free. Whether he was sleeping or praying or witnessing to the person next to him. God cannot be stopped. You guys can go ahead and go down. So what is it in your life? What are you facing? What is it that you're going through and it seems like, man, God, I need your help. God, I'm going through this difficult time. God, I need this money. God, I need this job. God, I need a place to live in. God, why'd you take my loved one? Imagine how Peter must have felt. James died, but God set Peter free. You know, some people get caught up in stuff like that and they end up asking God why and they feel guilt. God, why didn't you take me? A parent. God, why didn't you take me? A spouse. God, why didn't you take me? Because God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has perfect timing that we can't comprehend. The key is that we need to remember that God is still God, and our God is unstoppable. God has a plan. God is going to do what is best, and we need to trust in God. Put your faith in God. Let me ask you this today. Do you believe that our God cannot be stopped? I mean, do you really believe it? So what are you worried about? What are you fretting over? What are you struggling with? What burden are you carrying and why are you carrying it? 
Lay it at the feet of Jesus. Come boldly into his throne of grace. They may obtain grace and mercy in time of need. Stop carrying it. Do you believe that our God cannot be stopped? Then put your hope in that. The end. Let's put it right there. For every area of your life. The job you're going to work, the person you're going to marry or not marry, the place you're going to live, the money that you need, the direction of what college to go through, what, where you're going to go in the future. Put your faith in God. God is bigger than anything you'll ever face. And if you'll understand that and you'll trust God with it and you just simply fall into his arms, what weight will be lifted? Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we pray. Lord, we thank you and praise you for who you are. Thank you for being almighty God, the great I am, no beginning, no end. You are forever. As we behold you and see you for who you are, who are we to question? We didn't create the world. Who are we to question? A God that knows everything, that sees everything, that knows about all the future knows the past. I pray that today, Lord, that we as your people would trust in you, would fall into your arms, would find the peace that passes all understanding as we give thanks unto you for who you are, for how you've always been there. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You're our God, our Father, and you love us more than we could ever comprehend. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, let me ask you, do you know Christ as your Savior? Have you been born again? Was there a time in your life when you put your faith and trust in Christ? You were gloriously saved. You realized you were a sinner. You agreed with the word of God that there's none righteous, no, not one. You knew that you never, you never were right all the time, that you had sin in your life. You broke God's law. You believe God's word was true when it says the wages of sin is death. That if you died in that condition, you'd go to hell, separated from God eternally. But you believe Jesus died for you. That he hung on that cross and shed his precious blood for you. He paid your debt and he rose again the third day, victorious. And you by faith, you trusted in him as your personal savior. And you've been born again. You know that you're on your way to heaven. If that's your testimony, would you lift your hand up high? Say, yes, I know that I'm saved. God bless you. May put your hands down. Praise God. Perhaps you're here this morning, you don't have that peace. Oh, listen, God loves you. God wants you to have that peace today. God wants for you to know that you're on your way to heaven. If you're honest with yourself right now, you have a, a question in your heart. There's a question of where you'll spend eternity. Doubt, perhaps fear. Could I pray for you today? 
with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you be honest with yourself and with God? And Could I pray for you? I won't call your name out. I won't embarrass you. But if you're here this morning and you say, Preacher, I'll be honest, I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven. Would you slip your hand up? Could I pray for you? Anybody like that? Just slip your hand up quickly, would you? Nobody's looking around. Christian, carrying that load. God doesn't want you to carry that load alone. You heavy laden? Won't you come to the Lord today? Won't you let him make that burden light? Won't you put your faith and trust in him? Do you think there's anything that's bigger than your God? You're getting your eyes on something in this world and you've allowed your eyes to get off the Lord. You've allowed that thing to get bigger than your God. Get your eyes back on God this morning. See how big He is, how powerful He is. How He knows what's best for your life. Would you come and lay it at the altar? Would you come and pray and thank Him? Would you come and adore Him today? Would you come boldly? Under his throne. You need grace, you need mercy. Won't you come and ask him for it? Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts today. Lord, I pray that we would be led by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that today that we would not allow anything in this world to be bigger than you. Lord, that we'd be reminded once again and that we'd hold on to once again that you are bigger, you are greater, you're stronger. Nothing will stop you. You have a perfect will for our life. Lord, speak to our hearts. I pray this in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. As the piano is playing, I invite you to come forward. Would you just come and lay that burden at this altar today? Would you kneel down before the Lord and give him your heart? Give him your faith? Would you trust in him? You might be in that place right now of heavy burden. Difficult situation. Would you come and pray? Come pray by faith, believing. Trust in God. Lay it at his feet. Stop carrying that burden. Stop carrying that weight. I tried to do it.